What's up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. I had the immense pleasure of sitting down with Matt O'Dell and a good Anon friend of ours, Open Arms, who's been working on uh, some incredible projects throughout the last couple of years. We talked about a number of them in this podcast, mainly uh, his join in box, his, uh, his hardware box that allows people to run join market. Easily, we talked about join market specifically and how their coin join implementation is set up and the scenarios and incentives that uh, go into that particular coin join implementation. On top of that, we talked about privacy. Obviously, join market comes up. You're naturally going to talk about privacy, uh, both the protocol layer and on Lightning, how you can be more private on Lightning and the intricacies of running on tour and uh, displaying your public node and sending invoices and key send and a bunch of stuff. Very uh, enlightening episode. Get very deep into the technicals. I think you guys are going to like this, especially if you are interested in the technical details of how to use Bitcoin privately. This is a wealth of knowledge. This episode of Tales from the Crypt was brought to you by our good friends at the Cash App. You freaks already know all about them. They're helping us do a number of things. They're helping us stack sats, helping us stack slivers of stocks. If you want, you don't have to. And they have their incredible boost program where they're helping us save money at partner merchants. Uh, going back to the sat stacking, uh, they just finally rolled out uh, dollar cost averaging. You can now set up an automatic buy cadence on the cash app so you don't even have to think about it. You can set it and forget it. On top of that, they've made sats the standard throughout the app. They're rolling that out to everybody soon uh, as well as the DCA function. Uh, and then... Um, with the stonks, you can stock a sliver of a stonk via Cash App Investing. I know a lot of you freaks don't care about stonks, but you know what? The option's there. If you want it, you can use it. If your favorite company's stonks is just a little too expensive, you can buy as little as $1 via Cash App Investing because it's all connected to your bank account directly or if Cash App is your bank account because they're now offering those services as well, you can get your own uh, checking account number and routing number uh, you can get your paycheck direct deposited into cash app now uh, because of this there's no four to five day waiting periods you can start investing in stacking sets today uh, cash app investing specifically is a subsidiary of square and member sipc and as always as always make sure you use the code stacking sats that's one word s-t-a-c-k-i-n-g-s-a-t-s you're going to get ten dollars and ten dollars going to go to our good friends at owls lacrosse that's owls lacrosse <laughs> How many licks does it take to get to a center of a Tootsie Pop? The age-old question. Enjoy this episode, freaks. Take care. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent here. For another interview, I think this is the uh, the fourth interview we've ripped this week. Uh, Matt O'Dell is joining me for this one again. He just popped a bottle at twelve eighteen p.m. Eastern, and our guest just popped a bottle. Matt, how you feeling? 
What's up, freaks? Excited for this one. We, yeah, I'm excited for this one too because we're sitting down with somebody who I would consider a grinder, somebody who's been just head down building a bunch of stuff, whether it be uh, hardware to make using join market easier with your full node uh, services that allow um, people to connect to Tor easier, projects on the Lightning Network, uh, just all around fascinating projects and a fascinating human being. I'd like to introduce you freaks to open arms. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, what's up freaks? <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. Lofty. No, thank and you for that. coming on. Hey guys. I'm, uh, like I said, before we hit record, I'm sorry it took this long. Uh, just going down your GitHub page and the amount of work you've put in, uh, over the years is, is, uh, laudable and, and fascinating. And especially the breadth of the projects you worked on very very different uh it seems like you're hopping around from lightning to coin join implementations and again it's fascinating you seem to be very privacy focused which we like to talk about a lot here on tftc as you know but before we get into all that let's get into your tale how the hell did you find bitcoin and why did you decide to start uh creating tutorials and building tools for for bitcoiners right well, I'm not in for that long. Uh, basically, first heard about in like 2013 and, you know, looked up, price was a couple of hundreds. I've looked up into how can I get this thing? And yeah, at the time, I'm, I was just uh, moving countries. I'm, I'm from uh, living in Hungary originally um, from just, you know, the edge of Eastern Europe and uh, been moving to, to England at that time. You know, didn't have much money and just, uh, you know, tried to find my route find my path and uh, looking at Bitcoin that this is very interesting but uh, you know I've I haven't got uh, money for the new ASICs and I see that they are deprecating in like you know half a year also I cannot make a like a transaction to Japan or the US so okay let's let's leave it and then <clears throat> it was back 2017 when I've sat down with a friend of mine who was a chemical engineer and he was saying that when we are running some mining rigs in our office uh you know it's not an it office so, so what's that and 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 you know we have like a credit card and we're putting out uh money from in germany from the atms i mean what, what to do uh so did you hear about like you know ethereum zcash <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so i mean uh let's look into this so you know i love i love the love the hardware love to love to build on uh build computers like gaming rigs when i was little and then you know um anything else afterwards and then yeah basically started to build some mining rigs like after like 15 gpus you know just uh in within in 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 the flat um and then starting to learn about these things and then i mean it's quite quite clear if you start to just you know apply a little common sense that it is bitcoin what you are in for uh so you know i've kind of did this hardware building made back the kind of investments to the hardware so sold it all and uh, just dove into dove into learning more about bitcoin and see how it is uh started to like be the full nerd in so this was this was like beginning of 2017 and then started to build my nodes in well it took like a year really uh in like 2018 found the recipe board project and then found the um uh, the recipe blitz project which is uh 
originally was only kind of a scripted version of a, of a written tutorial. And uh, yeah, I just, I just found out that I, I love this. And you know, the hardware then becomes very cheap because you're building on, on like a Raspberry Pi or other little, little computer. And then first you follow these tutorials, go line by line and you know, try to understand what's going on. And yeah, it's, well, this is what we call the rabbit hole, right? <laughs> it's completely from the technical side. I have no, no background in, in, you know, economics or, you know, I, I try to leave myself out of politics as much as possible, uh, sociology, you know, and whatever, game theory. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, the technicals which, which come to me and then um, <clears throat> found a little time to kind of um, learn more, register to Twitter, like, you know, at the beginning of 2018, and it was just general Twitter. And then you find Bitcoin Twitter, you know, that's just such a different word. And then uh, I was so lucky that uh, I've been somehow found out about the Bitcoin Boot Camp of, of Justin Moon. You probably, I mean, I, I know he's been on the pod and, uh, you know, he's, he's some fantastic teacher. He's so enthusiastic and, you know, just uh, kind of pushed out this knowledge, mainly in Python, and then, you know, just to be able to get their hands dirty. A lot of people from that kind of crowd is, you know, are, are out building stuff. And, uh, and then, yeah, it was like 20, 2019, beginning of it, that I started to commit to this Raspberry project, which is, which is a, it's a huge aggregate of, of everything. And really. that's why I'm, I'm able to look into these many things, because just working on implementing different services, just running on my own node, and then, um, and then, you know, finding out how things work. And it's, uh, you know, it's a very active community as well. It comes with, it's, you know, the Fulmo crowd, the Berlin uh, kind of Bitcoiners who are, who did the Lightning Conference. They have like numerous hack days going. So these people you can interact with a lot. Uh, and then, I mean, you know, it just goes on since then. Um, so it's a huge shout out to, to these people for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, and just looking at your work, it seems you have a focus on three things, at least hardware, privacy, and lightning. Um, what sort of drives you towards, obviously you said you're interested in hardware because you've been building gaming computers since you were a kid, but uh, do you see a pain point in the the privacy area of Bitcoin and uh, sort of potential in lightning? I don't want to ask any leading questions, but. Well, it's, Bitcoin, it doesn't, does come to the, to the big question of, of like self-hosting everything, you know, there is this tendency, like open source software in itself, which, which you should be able to do everything with open source, because that's the only safe thing you can, you can bet on, you can trust. Uh, there is, you know, no point of trusting any, any other, uh, like either third parties or middlemen, you know, they, they are everywhere. So. And Bitcoin is very pure in that, that you can just go from, you, you want to have the full stack, the open source software, uh, acquiring the database of an open source software, and it's all coming together, this whole, you know, synchronizing event, which is, which is the Bitcoin kind of protocol. But then, you know, you need to run that on something, right? So <laughs> you cannot just, I mean, I know Satoshi has wrote the first Bitcoin client on Windows, Right, but <laughs> you know, you just kind of just spin up a Windows 10 and uh, you know, 
switch off, I don't know, the uh, old tracking built in and just, uh, you know, host everything on your server because you wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be able to sleep. Right. So I want to see what the code is running, what the code running on the on the actual hardware, and if the best is if you can just take it apart and uh, you know see what at least see what what these chips are doing. You know where are they coming from? Is there is there little rice which is uh, you know radiating out to the nearest cell tower, or is there you know is there anything else you shouldn't see? Um, so yeah, it is. Like open source hardware is, is just as important as, as open source software, but mu much more difficult. Uh, like I'm, I'm speaking a lot to like Git Miner, who is, who is, you know, huge in this and um, very adversarial on, in terms of approaching the hardware as well. He doesn't like Raspberry Pis, for example, <laughs> which I do agree <laughs> with. But, uh, but I also have advantages there. I just made it here in England next door, so, you know. No problem with the supply, even now. Um, right, oh. so yeah, full stack yeah. open source. That's what I get to. <laughs> well, let's get into some of the specifics that you built. Let's talk about Joinbox for a second. Like I was t saying before we hit record, uh, we talk a lot about coin join implementations here. Join market is one that uh, probably doesn't get enough tick as it should. And you seem to have built um, a lot of products around join market. What was your idea behind the join box particularly and, and how does it work and how are people using it? Right. Yes. Well, this is this uh, project, the join inbox, which is, uh, to be honest, this will be all, all merged into the rest of it at some point. <laughs> but uh, I mean, the software is, but I don't like the idea to keep the hot wallets, which we are running on phones, PCs, Windows, you know, and Raspberry Pis or other kind of Androids, whatever small uh, single board computer you get, to keep them separate because all these all these uh, softwares, especially, I mean, you know, there are some languages which have more, and some languages which are more like clean in that sense, but they have like 10, 20, 30, hundreds of dependencies managed by other teams. They open source, but there is no way that you would you would review all those. And then if you keep these I mean, if you keep these on the same hardware, even if it's running on a on a VPS, you know there are ways to listen to a memory of any, listen to the memory of the hardware which your software is running on, and you can see every other process. We know all these vulnerabilities which are public in every kind of processor. Uh, so a good way is just to not put anything on the same place. Like if you have valuable secrets, especially if you're doing something which is like about coin joining where you would uh, think of uh, stacking up some uh, significant liquidity, uh, significant amount of uh, Bitcoin, then, you know, you would definitely want to uh, keep that in, in a, in a completely separate box, which is then, uh, which is join inbox, which only runs an open source version of uh, Linux uh, Ambient, which is like verified and can be built from the source as well. And then you just put up join market, which is this you know wonderful work of, of mainly, and there are plenty of contributors and it's coming going since like five years, but it's mainly Voxwing, Adam Gibson and like Chris Belcher and uh, Chris Scopey who's uh, 
who are, who are maintaining currently and uh, <coughs> built most of it. And uh, I mean, it's just my part is just to work up an work out an install script and then eventually uh, coming up with a little kind of uh, menu, uh, like terminal based menu, like the rest of it, if you've seen what, how that looks like, uh, to, for people to not need to look up all these comments which need to use join market, but just to be able to click on things. Um, so, and then you you know you deposit your Bitcoin. It won't hold any secrets. It will you will be obviously needing to uh, give your password when you are running when you are sending Bitcoin or when you are running a yield generator. So uh, providing continuous liquidity for a for a coin joint pool. Uh, but uh, if you verified everything and keep it as isolated as you can, it is you know fairly safe. I mean, this is the safest way I can think of, but uh, this is an ongoing development and all contributions are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's been the knock on join market up to this point. It's just been very hard to use. It seems like if you think that's yes, a, you think that's a valid uh, criticism or do you think people have not given it enough, um, given, given yeah. a good enough try? I think, I mean, it's a, it's um, it's quite. It has multiple kind of approaches how you can think of it because the coin joint thing is is not made for the masses. You know, it's not uh, it's not a scalable solution. It's on this level of like Bitcoin technology where we don't have you know signature aggregation and etc. Uh, join coin joins are coin joint transactions are huge. They are like you know ten twenty times bigger than normal send of Bitcoin. So. Well, I agree with the, you know, on the privacy side that we should make every transaction a coin join or every spend a coin join, as you say, but, uh, well, we cannot do it, <laughs> right? So, well, it, join market has a kind of a, it, it has a filter, you know, if you can set it up, then, you know, you will be able to use it too. And once you are okay to type in a couple of lines of comment into the comment line, then you know, my experience was, and I see it in a lot of people that you actually don't want a graphical interface anymore because it just gives you the freedom and this this kind of control of every little parameter uh, which you can do. And then obviously, you know, you can do a very good kind of practice or you can do it cheaper than others or you can just mess it up and not, you know, you might not be doing a very good quality coin join as, as you know some say it, but um, the the fact that it it cannot be you know fingerprinted very well every parameter is kind of randomized and uh, you can do whatever you want and people do a lot of different things does make it you know it's a very versatile tool you can do so in join market you can already uh, so there are no so-called postmax tools the whole thing is a tool which you can use for Postmex as well, because you can send a payment with a chosen amount with a coin join, with like by default with seven, nine other participants who are offering their coins in these maker setups, in these yield generators. You can just take them, choose your amount from anything, from like, you know, uh, 100,000 Satoshis to 100 Bitcoins, 
right? And then you can send the payment with a coin join. Um, and if you do a self-payment, like you can even use your word UTXO up and there is no change at all, right? There is, uh, and you can do it in a, this in a repeated fashion. You can do it into, there is a, a script called a Tumblr, which you fund and it's, it stumbles through multiple accounts and ends up sending the, the deposits. I mean, the rest of it, <laughs> obviously there are, you know, the on-chain fees will be significant. If not, the coin join fees are minimal. Uh, and they come out on three addresses, which you gave it in the beginning with, a, with you know, all the links break, broken from the deposit and from each other as well. So it is, uh, you know, it's a tool which is, you know, it's, it's, you cannot build a very nice GUI on it because there is no one button to push. It's the, there are a lot of buttons. There's um, a lot of ways you can use it. I yeah. I have a couple of things to unpack here. Well, first of all, for the freaks, uh, just to provide some context, uh, with Join Market, there's no centralized coordinator. There's a maker and a taker in each transaction. Um, so the the maker is the person offering up their coins to be coin joined with and they charge a fee they get to pick what fee they charge um, and what open Noms was discussing earlier with the yield generator is that maker needs to keep their funds online all, all the time whenever they want to be offering this service they have to keep their funds online so he was saying how if you run it on a dedicated box um, you you know, you reduce your threat model because they are online because they are hot. You want to reduce the the amount of attacks that that, you know, like where you could be susceptible from an attack. Um, as a follow up here, those fees that are so we talked about the gra the lack of there is a GUI. Um, it's not like a the, the install process is not very simple install process, which I think holds back some adoption uh just for instance you know a lot of the freaks uh use mac um which i believe is a step up from windows uh it's not linux but it's still a significant step up and for them to be able to just install like a dmg file or something i think would bring a lot of a lot of users in like if it was like a four click gui and you you don't have to have as much maybe you know just like the current gui you can't be a yield generator you can't be a maker but you have like a couple preset buttons and stuff that you can use, um, you know, with this type of thing, like the more people that use it, the more effective it is for everyone. Right. So uh, like I, I, I don't want to be the guy like I'm not trying to complain when I'm not building it myself because I can't fucking do that. Um, so I don't want to be that guy, but I think it would be a huge step forward just for the project and for privacy and Bitcoin in general. Um, what I wanted to actually talk about was. So you mentioned it in passing, the coin join fees are minimal. Um, the makers get to choose what their fees are. And for one reason or another, they have always been extremely low. Um, it kind of reminds me of like the lightning fee situation. So like part of it is, is, is lack of demand, but I wonder like, are the incentives aligned properly? Like, should we expect to see those fees go up? Why haven't those fees gone up? Do we want to see those fees go up? 
Uh, who's keeping their wallets hot and charging basically nothing for it? Well, I would step in here too. Like with, it seems to me that join market has always been sort of more or filled with, and all people hate the word altruistic here, but Bitcoiners who just want better um, privacy overall. And I think the emergence of fidelity bonds is a good example of that too. People being willing to lock their UTXOs up for X amount of blocks. Um, that seems a bit more like just in the spirit of better privacy as well. But no, it is interesting. Do you think fees will rise? Well, I mean, it's um, Chris Belcher uh, himself has been speaking a lot about uh, the uh, you know locked funds for uh, civil resistance, which is is um, uh, bonds coming to the joint market. Uh, so I, I wouldn't go into that. It's a, it's a very very uh, interesting thing, and it will that is uh, improving the kind of the CPU resistance. So improving uh, the lowering the chance of uh, like nefarious malicious parties would be part of the coins, basically. But uh, as I said, you know, listen to listen to that. Uh, podcast with Stefan because that, that is fantastic how you know the guy who built it <laughs> explains it as well uh, regarding I mean regarding installing join market it's uh, I mean that's that's the steps I like to kind of cover that uh, I've only a little I've literally have a pull request merged into join market it is one character <laughs> uh, change which does help to install on, on you know Debian Linux because there's been like you know found something which stopped the dependencies installing listing properly. But uh, the whole thing is that I was doing with this install script for the rest of it, which which does it in a way that it is safe as possible in that kind of environment that it does create like a separate user, a separate Linux user, which other users have no access to. So you know the funds are reasonably safe from the other software running on the rest of it, and also, you know, for example, the LND hot wallet is safe from the dependencies of join market and so on. Right? I mean, you know, there are like ethics services all over the place. Um, but as we have put, you know, um, BTCP on the rest of it, we have put, uh, well, now join market as well. So it is now it um, has a higher in incentive to kind of, you know, Put that thing in in a in a little metal box and chain it down, <laughs> or to hide it. But uh, uh, so script can help a lot. And now, you know, you have it. I think I, I don't know how to. I think it's only like command line only. But I think you have you have the join market in. I know people who use it with my node, so it's kind of in there. Uh, but. I mean, with the rest of it, it's a question of going to the menu with the services and just clicking on it, and you can see how it is, you know, it runs the script, which is supposed to be doing yourself line by line. So it shows what it shows you what is happening, which I find the most beautiful, and that's how, you know, I learned a lot of things, and that's how I got excited about, you know, software development, that, look, this is happening. I can actually, I can actually modify this thing and, you know, play with it as I like. Uh, so... Uh, that's one. Two is uh, Waxwing, especially, is he, I mean, listens to these kind of uh, concerns about being difficult to run, and he did actually come up with an app image for Linux already, which is a pre packaged join market with a QT kind of 
uh, GUI, and you could try it. I, I mean, I've only seen it uh, kind of uh, exposed on on uh, the IRC channel of theirs, that most of these devs hang out. But I, I downloaded it, and it's just you know a click of a button, literally, and this Geomarket GUI kind of uh, opens up. You can generate it will generate a wallet. You can fund it, and you can do these coin joins on demand. You know, at the spot on with your chosen amount. That's great. That's fantastic. Does uh, the GUI itself? I didn't realize. Yeah. I didn't realize there was an app image. That's fantastic. Well, I don't think it's published. I think it's uh, oh, it's okay. experimental and for Linux only for now. But certain days were done, um, and it is. I mean, especially to make it run on Windows, it's a big challenge because no, you know all Python already kind of. I'm I'm fine with just saying <laughs> fuck Windows. That should be like the first step. Yeah. Sure, sure. I mean, you know, Mac is is yes, it's very similar. Obviously, it's all Unix based. It is, uh, it's possible. It's more easier to easier to run. Uh, so I think that will be coming, uh, hopefully. But in any case, uh, you would need to run Bitcoin Core as well, because that's the only backend and which it needs. But you need that, right? Uh, yeah. You can run with a pruned node as well, so you don't need the very back of the or the uh, block history, but only the ones which are affected are uh, having the transactions which are in your wallet. Uh, so, you know that's not a big deal. You can do it on a on a on your computer, and then because it doesn't need the 500 gigabytes of storage or for 300 gigabytes at, at minimum now, but it can be pruned down to five gigabytes or whatever. So you can you can run it on your laptop and then connect your market to it. And to use the on-demand, you don't need to be online all the time. Uh, you can just go and join and go. Go and join to your Lightning wallet, fund your channels with you know funds without you know previous history. Uh, that is that is a I think that's a very good use case of this uh, thing because you get no change if you change the amount if you choose the amount you get no change and then you, if you want to open a Lightning channel for I don't know six million satoshis then you know you will have one six million satoshis, which has been part of a you know coin join with eight participants. Okay, before we jump into Lightning privacy, uh, right. let's let's just go back to the joy market fees for a second, um, oh, yeah, because sorry. this is something that you know I first discovered join market when it first came out. So what was that like, twenty thirteen or twenty early twenty fourteen? And well, uh, no, it's, uh, I think it's twenty sixteen officially, but uh, 2015, 2016. Was it that late? Well, is it late? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I just, yeah. I, anyway, I was like a massive joint market cheerleader, right? And what I really liked about it is the built, that built-in incentive, right? That you get paid, you get paid to provide coin joint liquidity, which is something that Bitcoiners, like Bitcoiners love incentives. We love like well-designed incentives, right? So right. now it's 2020 um, and fees are basically at like zero, right? Yes. So what do we think about so, that? So what? Right. So 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 let's see why why would you why would I why would I run join market right? So uh, let's see. I, I have it have it on my you know separate little box. Call it join inbox. Call it anything you are setting it up with, or or have it on the rest of it. And uh, you get a wallet and you fund it. For what? For to achieve privacy with your coins to get rid of the history first first of all, and then going forward, you want to uh, spend without exposing your wallet and exposing the 
previous transactions you did. So <clears throat> if I just, let's see, let's say I just leave my coins there, I will start to run this um, yield generator and it will, they will be, you know, coin joined by other people. And, you know, they will, they will change, they will choose their amounts. So it will always, you know, leave back some change, but there will be, uh, so what, what is very good in this, that you get, uh, basically you generate a coin, uh, a joint market wallet, you get five wallets in one, which is like five accounts from the same seed, five derivation paths of the same, of the same uh, wallet. And uh, the funds, will only move between the mixed steps, as they are called, if they are an output of a coin join. So if they are a change output, they will remain in the previous mixed depth. So they won't propagate unless they are private. And, uh, right, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how it works, but uh, basically you get free privacy from for your coins, which you deposit there. So that's the, that's the gain. It's not the fees, which is a couple of hundred satoshis, but that, that you don't need to pay any of the chain fees, and you also, you know, don't need to deal with it. It just happens. But the yeah, the so you you have a reduced you have a reduced chance of sort of combining private UTXOs in that case, right? So you're basically have five wallet accounts, and the change gets dumped into one account, and it doesn't go into one of the other four until it has a certain anonymity set. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's it's so-called tumbles through. So you get you deposit to the first mix step, which is called mix step zero for the sake of it, <laughs> and uh, they can only go through to the mix step one if they are an output of a coin join. And then if it gets coin joined again, it goes down to two, three, four, back to the zero again. And but only the part which is coin joined goes through, the change falls back, and then it will be part of another coin join, then, you know, it will be going forward or not. So by the time it tumbles through your three, four, five mix-ups, you know, it will be coin joined five times. It will be five times part of, part of a coin join. So uh, this is kind of, a, I think, what, for example, Samurai does with the postmix, with having a different postmix wallet from the deposit wallet. Here, every wallet is, is a deposit wallet and a postmix wallet at the same time, depending how long you leave it. But that's fascinating. But makers don't get as as good privacy gains as takers, right? Takers are constructing the transaction. Um, yes. So it's hard. It's hard to necessarily quantify. There is privacy gain there, but it's hard to quantify it. But I mean, the makers could then do a taker transaction later if they wanted to. Yes, that's really, that's the recommendation. That's what we should do. And I mean, that's what we are like having discussions on really that, uh, I mean, that is the algorithm which does help with kind of not to do the basic kind of problems, not to merge change with the coin join, not to, uh, you know, do the like automatic kind of send over feature uh, is not there, right? <laughs> even if, if, even if, when you're sending, if you're emptying this wallet, which has like five accounts in it, you can only empty it account by account. So you need to do at least five transactions separate, which obviously those UTXOs, which are in a mix depth, will be uh, kind of uh, merged 
and this has some privacy uh, you know negative on it but uh, you can do it just one by one and you can coin join out by UTXO by UTXO so you know it's a uh, it's it's a it's a new what what to do with it and uh, <clears throat> so to uh, use it as a taker and maker intermittently that's the actual recommendation that's what, what you should do you just leave it running and when you want to use it you want to pay someone or send it to somewhere else then you coin join up right and so in this incentive structure too like the lower fee even though it's lower would incentivize more coin joins over time and even though you're getting a lower fee you're getting more accumulation of that lower fee is that the, the thesis yes yes so, so, so here uh, I mean, another thing is, which is not uh, very, I mean, obvious, like compared to the lightning kind of fees, that here the coin join liquidity doesn't go away, right? It's getting coin joined, and then it's it's still there, right? So it's just uh, goes through these mixes from you know uh, round by round, and you have usually between like 50 and 100 offers on the on the order book, which you can look at any time sometimes the IRC kind of okay IRC channel is down or the 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 server which is reading these IRC channels are down so you know at the moment for example it's not showing up but if you run your own you can read the IRC server yourself and that's what the script does so it doesn't matter that you cannot see it on like boxing server you know it's your own server it works completely independently from that and uh, there are usually like between five and hundred offers and at a time, because of the limitation of the communication on the IRC, which is where this is coordinated at, uh, you can maximum, like safely do like nine coin joins because it's a lot of like, you know, signatures sent back and forth. Uh, so you can do like a coin join with nine participants. So out of this hundred, you set your own limits. What is the maximum fee you want to pay? And what is the amount, obviously? And from there, out of the hundred, there will be only, for example, 20 offers, which are uh, valid within these limits and then from that it will be a random choice of you know seven to eight nine participants and if you do it again that there will be another random choice so it might be the same kind of well it wouldn't be the same wallet i mean it might be the same wallet but it may be a different big step of that wallet so it will completely look some uh, as some somebody else even if it's the same kind of peer you are joining with uh, yeah, I mean, so that's how I mean that's how the, the fees are paid off, either by coin join, so by time, uh, like an absolute fee. So you get uh, paid um, if you get a, get into coin join, you get paid a fixed fee, or you get an, a relative fee, which is uh, depending on the amount. From from my seat, I see the incentive as offering low fee uh, join market liquidity as either being ideological, which Marty mentioned earlier, um, there's definitely a lot of ideological liquidity providers there that also want some additional privacy out of it. But I also have the concern that we have chain analysis companies in there providing liquidity. And this is like completely unfounded. I have never been able to back it up with any kind of evidence or anything like they keep their lips sealed. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they're in Wasabi and Whirlpool as well, but those are newer. You know, Join Market has been around for a while, and it's cheap. It's cheaper for them to Sybil Join Market because the fees are so low, 
and they get paid out to them instead of to a centralized coordinator. Um, so is, is, do you share this concern? Have you thought about that at all? Or? Well, uh, it is, you know, the thing is, the more offers you put up, the less chance that you will be coin joining only because if you want to signal someone, you need to be. So apart from the one who you are uh, wanting to, uh, you know, uncover, you need to be all other parties on that in that coin join, right? So uh, these things being randomized and just, you know, one, two, 10, 20, 50 people putting up offers will, you know, make this kind of civil attack kind of quite high risk of, you know, not working out because um, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just the same pool. And yes, I mean, there is, uh, if I'm putting this offer up, I will probably put my fees down as well to a level where it is acceptable for, for, for myself to pay for it. Right. So it will be the fraction of the on-chain fees. And uh, that's because I want to see it working. And yes, I mean, if there is a privacy benefit, which is, I mean, you know, okay, uh, I take it that it is questionable. And if you, and this, there is a privacy, um, a chain analysis company doing the maker part, then they do know the, uh, or the other UTXs, uh, kind of, you know, which, where they're coming from, basically. So if there are like three, uh, uh, put three UTXOs into a join, then they will know that it's coming from that kind of peer. But that's true for any kind of coordinator. And right. here, the coordinators are changing from round to round because it's it's the taker who does uh, decide on the amount and does decide on the time and does, you know, do automatically construct the transaction as well. So no, the random not... So the randomized nature of the coordination sort of reduces the risk of a Sybil? Well, it's the, well it, yes, that is. So the randomized uh, participants. So, you know, you can never tell who you will, which peer you will be conjuring with, right? And also, even if you set a fee, I mean, you can configure everything to your liking, but the default is if you set a, set a fee for your coin join, or like a desired uh, like on-chain fee, minor fee, even that will be randomized for like 20% up and down. So you don't, you won't even know what you will be using, even you, right? So it's, it's not, uh, it's very easy to, so you can't plan these coins in a way that you will be uncover, you will be able to uncover others. I'm not saying you can't, you cannot speak in absolutes, but it is difficult. And it's, it's just looks like a whole mess, you know? Uh, and that's the end. so how would how would fidelity bonds take yeah. this to another level like like <laughs> right so well uh, I, I just know this because i listened to this podcast right so you know <laughs> i'm no expert on it but the thing is that if you if you send some co send some coins to a burner address or if or better you send some coins to a time locked address they'll give you a kind of a score and according to the score the uh Takers will be more likely to include your UTXOs as the maker, right? So um, it's just uh, it's it's it, it, it's a trust. It's skin in the game. It's... So the more coins you lock, you know, you more kind of skin you have it. More skin in the game you have, and it will be 
more difficult and more expensive to to cover the wall of the book with. It increases the cost of the attack we just discussed. Absolutely, yes. But it, you know, it, uh, it's already not free, but uh, and already low risk. Uh, but this does this is a some next level kind of solution, right? So this is obviously experimental, and uh, and we'll see how it works out. But it is a it is a very very uh, kind of subtle idea, and uh, I think it will. Yeah. You know, from from some side. I mean, you have. You have other advantages of other kind of uh, uh, implementations, but uh, from the civil side, this will be you know taking the lead for sure. No, and it's uh, very interesting to me as well. I was mentioning participants in join market being somewhat altruistic, but the addition of fidelity bonds it actually makes sense if you have a low time preference. It probably does work out in your advantage if you think privacy on Bitcoin is important for the inherent value in the future. Um, so you, you probably could also make, even if fees are somewhat low, it is a little bit more expensive to put them in fidelity bonds, but comparatively low to other coin join implementations, just the, the overall value that we provided to the network by you providing um, basically the ability for other Bitcoiners to, to, coin join their utxos would increase the value of the token overall which is worth the investment uh if you're in this for the long run but sure or, or, or if people trusting you more they were more likely to take your expensive offers but if you're a chain analysis company you can just put up the fidelity bond and then hedge it with the short mm. it's a very interesting i'd point. run a great chain analysis company <laughs> I never Wait, so, do it. so you would You'd put uh, up a fidelity bond, <laughs> so but you'd have to reveal that you are doing this, right? At some point. Well, you're a chain analysis, so you could just take a short out on CME or something, right? I know, but then you 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 sort of blow yourself up. At some point, the short would only pay off if you come out and say, "Hey, we've been we've been the owners of these fidelity bonds." So you'd have to like unmask yourself at some point, what, right? What do you mean? Why would you? You just hedge yourself. I don't know like how financial hedging works, but people do it all the time, don't they? You can just make it so there's no, there's limited, because like the biggest, the biggest increase in cost, right, is like actual price of Bitcoin risk uh, with fidelity bonds. Well, then you, and then the biggest risk you for being a liquidity provider is like hot wallet risk, right? But you, you're paying two fees then if you have a short open. You got to you got to fund that short and then you got to fund the fidelity bond. But your bond chain as well. analysis, you're charging millions of dollars to to governments around the world, right? Like it's not a free product. Yeah, but I mean the 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 uh the reason for a hedge is the, to make sure you're not spending more money while you're engaged in that type of action, not to make it more expensive. It's just sort of like level out your fees. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, it's a value-add product for them. For them to be able to track coin join usage uh, more effectively, they are able to sell that product, right? Yeah, but why would they even open up a short if they could just not tell people that they? Well, because if they have the they fidelity, bond, fidelity bond, if they have the fidelity bond, then because of what you just said, right? What you said is the fidelity bond lines up with the low time preference that you think Bitcoin price will go up long term. Right. And I find it hard to believe that these chain analysis companies think that will be the case. 
uh, when they're trying to destroy user privacy. Uh, so if, if that's the case, then they hedge themselves. If for some reason, like the guy running chain analysis is a compliance bro bull, then by all means, he can just take out the fidelity bond and then he has low time preference too. So that either way, uh, I think it'll provide, yeah, uh, it's an improvement. It's definitely a big step in the right direction, but I, it's not foolproof, right? It's the same issue I have with like proof of stake where like you're, you're staking a bunch of coins, but then you can just hedge yourself. You can just hedge yourself in, in, in the markets. But why would you hedge yourself with a short if you are the chain? Not like the, the point would be that you're the chain analysis company with a fidelity bond. You already have unmasked everybody and your incentive would be not to let everybody know that and just go along with that. And the reason you would open a short is if you were to re reveal yourself, be like, hey, you guys aren't as private as you thought. And theoretically, the market would would fall because that privacy utility would be depreciated a little bit. Right. And how, how much it, how much would it affect if you know hundreds of bitcoins are just put in fidelity bonds and you know that like reduces the liquidity, especially if it's coming from kind of weekends like uh, you know a chain analysis company. Right? I mean, <laughs> there are a couple of things to look into. Well, that's good yeah. for the but, price no. of Bitcoin. So that's that's a benefit. Um, I mean, but it's yeah, this exactly. is a, it's a similar it's a similar threat model as Lightning, right? Is that the idea is that for you to attack it, you have to lock up funds driving the price up and driving the cost of the attack up. Um, the, you know, it just depends how dedicated the attacker is at that point, how deep their pockets are. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and yeah, how expensive does it get and how much, how much of join market could they, could they ever take would be the question like you'd, you'd have to assume. But, but, but again, you know, you have these fidelity bonds, but you don't need to use them. You know? Just like you can pay a low fee, but you can also just set, you know, leave it at default and you will be randomly paying high fee and low fee. You might, you know, you can set up your config in a way to, you know, take the fidelity bonds into account and you can just not do it. And again, you know, if they want to see bill, again, they need to be the, all of the other participants, right? So if there is one, someone, one lurking in the coin journey who is not the chain analysis company, their effort is pointless and their money is wasted. At least the uh, you know time, uh, the opportunity risk is wasted. Well, even if it would have to be would it have to be two people within the round, right? Because if it's one, you know, at everybody else but you, uh, that one person but you. But if it's two, it's like all right, I know two people joined with us. I don't know which one is which after this this is done. Yeah, well, but uh, you know we are not joining with two. We usually do it with eight others, right? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's crazy. Uh, it is, the, yeah, it is the rabbit holes you can fall down in the the game theory <laughs> that comes into play. Yes, and then and then you know it it, it tries to follow the philosophy of of all these groups, which you know all that have, have right points. You know, some are like have like stronger reasoning than others, and also it's fluctuating in time. You know, at some point, some are you know coming up with a very new novel thing and you know prove it right, and then someone else comes with another come up comes up with another thing. It's just uh, you know it's Bless really you. fascinating to watch. I, you know, and these are all kind of. Um, I mean, at least I, I, I really like, uh, so the other, other thing why I was 
uh, try. I was uh, started starting to play with Join Market. That I actually love to like read the code because because it's you know I cannot say simple, but like clean enough nature, you know. And I can read Python, right? <laughs> and also some Bash. So that's that's to the advantage. And also, I've been in in a in a very lucky position that I've been attending to, to some physical events where I was able to meet, able to meet these people, you know, and have some beers with them, and actually, you know, get their opinions on you know things they wouldn't. Uh, I just put out publicly. No, I, I, I wouldn't say that, but it's just to, to get to know people and just learn from them, like like that. It's it's uh, you know, it feels very supportive, and it just makes makes it much more easy to pick up the knowledge and the, you know, how to do these. But, uh, you know, this is a learning process. Uh, there's no, no way to tell what's the best, uh, you know, for sure. Yeah. Matt and, and I, uh, and I might, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, I'm just thinking that, you know, there might be things which I'm pretty sure that people won't agree with all of the things I've seen, I've said, and probably will be the case that, um, you know, I will be not thinking the same and after, you know, reading another bunch. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. No, I was going to say Matt and I interviewed, uh, Amidi, uh, Itawar last night, um, who's, uh, core contributor working on a P2P network, actually trying to help out with privacy too, with rebroadcasting and stuff like that. So it's funny how privacy touches many different areas of the, the stack, whether it be just how transactions are relayed via nodes or how UTXOs are coordinated in a coin join to, uh, how lightning is used. There's so many different variables that come into play. Um, but like, like you just mentioned, it is, and Matt tweeted it out this morning, like Bitcoiners, like when you, when you meet them in person, especially people who are building stuff are more than willing to be like, Hey, you want to help out? Like, yeah, let's talk about this. Let's, let's figure this out. Like we could use all the help we can get. And it's just incredible to see more and more people sort of come to this realization that, this is like the wild west. We can build the future that we want. And that's what I wrote about this morning. Actually, it's like we can exit the current system and build a better system. And it, we are building a better system. And so, what's how's that sort of felt for you personally? Somebody who doesn't have a software development background as a professional, um, but is helping out in big ways with software development in the in the Bitcoin space. You know. As, you know, as all I can say that you know the the support in these in these communities. I mean, all these all these people, most of the people who I've been interacting with are are uh, basically in Bitcoin as their hobby, right? So they have like a fiat job, as most of them are. Or you know, I mean, very few. And even they, they are so lucky that they are living off Bitcoin. You know, they wouldn't. You know, they better not expose that fact, right? So. Um, it's just, uh, I, mean, I, I was I was drawn to programming since you know since I had a computer from the age of twelve, and then I was there at the end of high school, you know, to see like, well, like okay, what kind of university I'm, I'm going to, and you know, I ended up at the medical university, but uh, that's that's not, you know, that didn't stop me being interested in technology and and just playing with these things with all my free in all my free time, and then. You know, the longer you go, I was just thinking, oh, should I 
I mean, I had a lot of friends who are like software developers, you know, IT professionals, and um, I mean, they are doing well. They are even now, you know, they're able to work from home. They are, you know, uh, can do their own stuff from wherever they want to. Uh, and and just being able to be creative, creative and, you know, just uh, um, create something in this virtual, but just the three of word is, is, you know, something which gives a lot, it's, it gives a lot of pleasure, pleasure, right? So um, once I found something which is really worth to be like enthusiastic for, like, uh, like you know, the, all the all the incentives of Bitcoin of, the, of of just just learning how it works and just seeing it growing, it's uh, yeah, I cannot really get rid of it. So you know, there is uh, there is so many things you must I must start to use and and the way I'm doing I just uh, I'm just trying to document what it is what I'm what I'm working on and then it comes with a lot of feedback as well so basically this is free tuition right? so people will just throw at me that look I mean this is not really right what you're doing here but you know most of the times I need to do something or build something but it's not, not just true to me but for example you know any kind of contributor uh, that you build it and you see it's working and you might have a theory what it will cause but then when it's out of the out in the wild then you will see what what comes of it right it's like it's the same with the whole like lightning network it's like coin joins different kind of coin join approaches everyone thought is that it's like that approach is the best approach obviously that's what they went for, went for it right but then you know there are a lot of aspects and a lot of things like you know being on chain private being private from network point of view being super resistant you know costing people money uh having center coordinators uh is there a lot of questions uh, <clears throat> all right uh try not to rumble here too much <laughs> no no you just i love the passionate rants it, it is again going back it's a wild west and so i could this is a good transition i know matt wanted to touch on this stuff like privacy on the lightning network like how does it work like between just the the uh, the way transactions and messages are routed on the network on the Lightning Network to running it on Tor versus ClearNet, and what are the advantages and disadvantages? Like, how much privacy do you get? Even if you're running on ClearNet, do you get any at all um, uh, versus running it through Tor? Yeah, well, um, so. I mean, the most important thing is, yes, run your Lightning nodes behind Tor, because otherwise, would you plaster your money out in the window? Like, you know, <laughs> would you just uh, have your wallet there in the clear? I don't think so. You know? Basically, anyone who knows an employee at your internet service provider or an employee at this service, internet service provider, or just, uh, you know, an averagely gifted hacker, they can get out the information about you know which ip address is registered to whom and where do they live and you know what other things they do as well right what do they buy what kind of they drive you know how the you know i mean how their uh, house looks like and then is there a lightning node with like 10 bitcoin on it and i just need to you know pick it up and go i mean obviously it's not that straightforward but uh, that's the kind of you know, threat model you need to think of that you don't want to just advertise that, look, I have this here. Uh, 
and utilize the Tor network, which just hides your IP address. Because your public key, if you are a routing node, and your public channels will be you know, all over the place. Even if you have on private channels only, you show an invoice or, or click in on an LN URL or you know, want to receive key send or something, then you, know, you will be exposing your public key. And that will be tied to your IP address. Yeah, we, we found this out the hard way. We had our node stolen. Uh, right. Before well, we put that's it. been a very unfortunate event, but kind of foreseeable, you know. Yeah. With the publicity you get. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so what do you think the future of, of privacy on Lightning is? Do you think people use the second layer um, more because it provides better privacy if we get a certain threshold of, of nodes running behind Tor? You think it doesn't matter? It's six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, that's one thing. That's 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 like uh, using a routing node, and routing node is this, you know, Uncle Jim's model. You say uh, that I can connect, I can have a model, I can have a channel to the routing node of my, you know, friend or of my uh, or a company I choose, because it's not even, you know, it's not a custodianship. You will be just routing through them, and you have some privacy. Uh, trade off because of that, so you will, they will know the most about your transactions. Uh, <clears throat> and if obviously, if you are running your routing node yourself, then you know you you are exposing very little of that private only uh, mobile wallet you are you are having in uh, in your pocket, uh, and you are like paying your you know whatever services you want for Bitcoin. <clears throat> So that's the, like the most obvious and most important thing that, that payments are basically private. If it's like more than more hops, you cannot see where, it, where the payment is coming from. So you receive a lighting payment, you receive a case key send payment. Uh, well, there is like a cryptographic evidence and you see that your direct peer has sent it to you, but where the payment was started, there is, you know, you will have no clue. So you don't mm. expose any, any of your, like if you pay with the UTXO, that UTXO has a whole history. If you were not careful with the coin joins, you know, you can basically track it back to the, whatever, uh, coin-based transaction, right? When, it's, when it was born, <laughs> but, uh, or, or, or the multi multiples of them. But then uh, with Lightning, you just, uh, you just receive a payment and you wouldn't see it. So that's different from having like a private node, but private payments are a thing already. Unless you uh, control all the hops in between. Well, that's not that's all the hops. Like receiving a payment. So this is like sending a payment is very private. Right. Because you're, you are not, not exposing anything there. Right. Unless they only, control all the hops. Only... Well, I was going to say this even, but receive... this gets, this gets taken to, yeah. this gets taken to a whole nother level of P, something like PTLCs get implemented right so like what matt's describing sort of that heuristic gets yeah, thrown absolutely. out the window yeah sure i mean if, if you can infer i mean that is that is this uh attack which like uh, rene picard and you know uh, sergey uh, uh well, i can't look up his name at the moment but uh, uh they're researching and you know putting a paper out that basically you can probe the whole lightning network with like very low fronts I mean, also, like Chris Virtue was talking about this, and there are like multiple articles uh, that you can probe the Volight network for a cost of like 50 pounds, 
or $50 or whatever, and uh, you will be able to see what the actual balances are on the channels, because those are not exposed by default, right? Uh, so you can see the capacity of the public channels. So that's what both of the peers have in that channel, but you cannot see how much each peer has from that. So when there is a payment coming, you wouldn't be able to like track it back that, well, on that channel, the funds on that peer side has just got lower, so the statement must have come from there. Unless you probe every channel at the same time, obviously. I mean, this is, this is less a cost limit. It's rather, it needs a lot of like, computational capacity, and the more convoluted the Lightning Network, you know, the more nodes, the more channels there are, it will be not, you know, very difficult to kind of have a view of the whole thing at the same time. So, or, or you will need to have a lot of probing nodes and coordinate them very well. I guess the point I was trying to make is, and I guess we'll go into this in a second, the sender has way better privacy right now than the receiver does, just in general. Exactly. But when it comes to sender privacy, who they're paying through, which nodes they're paying through, really matters, right? Because they could pay, they might be three hops, but it might be three LN big nodes. Then it's the same owner that, that gets all the hops. Yeah. He knows all the channel balances. He sees the payment go through. Um, if it goes through like a, a Bitstamps node and then Coinbase's node and then goes to yeah. who, who's receiving it and both of them are sharing with governments or, or whatever, then you have a similar situation, right? Yes, yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, that's why it's the best to have your routing node and connect to it with the with channel, right? Yeah. And then, you, you, you know, no one will be able to see, even if it's three. I mean, you know, I don't want to depict Alan Big as a negative player. I think he's doing great service to the network, right? But he's a potential, right? Uh, but whatever. KYC exchanges, Bitfinex, uh, Bitstamp does run a node as well, right? And uh, yeah, a couple of them already. Yeah, Coinbase definitely uh, doesn't have a node. That's just some alternative well, timeline. Yeah. No way. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, if you if you're behind your own node, then that is that is great. But then put your node behind Tor, so it will be not obvious that it's in your apartment, right? <laughs> or wherever it is, even if it's on a on a VPS, that's even worse because if you are having your node on the clearnet in a VPS, then the guy who works there, which just go to that, which just come to the track and you know pull it out, and well, has potential to kind of crack your crack your key. But, but you know, all the Ellen Big nodes are in VPSs on ClearNet, right? Yeah, I've seen those IPs, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're all in like Virginia and Delaware, right, or something like that. So I mean, yes, but I mean, what, what would happen if someone would go and attack them? I mean, that would be maybe they are the attack. You know, you <sighs> right. Yes, but you can you can still attack. You can still try to, you know, um, steal it, right? I mean, I don't know how much. Like, eight, one has like forty, eighty bitcoins and stuff like that. He has all together has like four hundred bitcoins. He's like half the. He's half the public network. Or she? Yes. Well, or they? No, no. I mean, going up, going up in numbers a lot. It's uh, like f five percent increase, and we are almost hitting the thousand on online okay. network. The public capacity. Yeah. I mean, imagine you know the, the private is obviously not, not appearing there, but and this is not private in terms of tour capacity not, right now is forty two point four percent. But that's why we need we need more people to run their own 
routing node through Tor yeah. on their own hardware, not in a VPS. And it doesn't have to be big. It could be it could be on the smaller side. Just it gives people more yeah. options. There's more routes that can be taken that that don't go through these these big ass routing nodes. We don't want it to be. It could be somewhat a hub and spoke, but we don't want it to be just like a complete hub and spoke. Yeah, well, it seems like it's awesome. happening, right? I mean, when I'm, I'm more worried. Worried. What I'm more worried about is Tor compromise because I you, you have a bunch of Bitcoiners so like Tor is just a CIA honeypot. Is that yeah. like <laughs> that scares the crap out of me? Uh, still, it still hides from my, my ISP, right? I mean, you know, it still it yeah. still hides my IP from next door, right? But yeah, just to be clear on the Tor capacity, you know, the Tor capacity is are the nodes who are hiding their IP addresses, but the the Lightning Network like bitcoin capacity is public right they are public on the lightning network but not public on the internet level right there are two layers here two layers in terms of not only bitcoin but the actual like uh, uh, it networking layer so you have the internet layer where first you know the the communication channels need to exist and these are kind of obfuscated by tor but once you are on the lightning network the the channels are just between lightning network nodes there is no Tor in there uh, anymore, apart from the communication, but the, the payment actually just goes through between the nodes. And then, so you can have a, a, a public balance on Tor, and you will have public channels on Tor, behind Tor, on a node behind Tor as well. But what we cannot see is the private balances. So the balances in all of the lighting wallets, because all of the light, mobile lighting wallets are defaulting to uh private channels only so they're not publishing their capacity so we wouldn't see it so anyone has balance in their breeze wallet in their phoenix in their eclair in their zap uh which is running on the phone is you know that is not coming up in that 960 bitcoins which is now the public uh lighting capacity so it could be you know a couple of thousands you don't know bitmax said 20 percent, yeah. i think yeah, okay. around there. They they based it on they based it on channel disputes. Uh because okay. that yep. was the only time that they could pinpoint uh there was an on-chain footprint that they could pinpoint. The non-cooperative closes. Yeah, right? it was uncooperative closes, yeah. Yeah. So 10% was the uh ratio of the public capacity yeah the, or the 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 amount of them that was done on public channels versus the amount that were done in private channels and then they extrapolated so and they said maybe like 20 percent of public capacity is in private channels so that would be right. well like another 250 on top right no yeah a little bit less yeah uh, like like less than 200 a little bit less than 200 yeah it's yeah. like another yeah, okay. 180 yeah, on yeah. top That's a good amount of Bitcoin. I mean, that's, I can't, I'm not going to try and do the math right now. One of my, I mean, uh, yeah, you say that 20% is in private channels, 20% is in public. 20% is in private channels of the total. Right. 20% 20% of the total public channel capacity right now is, can be added on well, as is private there channels. It's a guess. It's a guess. Yeah. But they're the only ones yeah, who tried to guess. So kudos. I mean, if you're running a node, you probably have more on your public. Ch channels if you're not running a node then you have only in your private ones so the majority of private yeah. channels are probably mobile wallets like you said 
Yes. Yeah. The other, uh, but you know, you can yeah. you can do private channels otherwise just to you know hide your activity, and that's fun as well. Between two of your nodes, you know, no one will know about that, and you can just like rebalance, shoot in like each direction. Uh, and then, I mean, that, for example, that's another thing which which confuses this kind of uh, probing uh, attack, the private channels, you know, because you don't, you cannot probe those. Uh, so then you cannot ever be sure that the change of the public, uh, I mean, the change of a balance of, on a public channel, was it because it was paid out to somewhere you are looking or was it just going to a private channel? Uh, it's uh, it's not that easy, and also also there is you know proposals to kind of stop this happening. So um, different kind of routing methods, and also with the new LND, I mean that will be some kind of a, yeah. It's difficult to imagine how what it, it, it will come to in terms of um, affecting the liquidity of channels and how payments will go through. But these multi-part payments, you know, now they activating LND. Team is activating the sending of multiple payments as well in the next release, which is like imminent. So then, you know, one payment won't affect only one channel's. Yeah, that should help uh, a lot, privacy-wise. Capacity but, for the uh, sender. It can. So let's go back to receiver privacy now. Why does receiver privacy suck on Lightning? <laughs> right. So so that's when it comes to that in every invoice, you can you have this web page which is called uh, lightningdecoder.com. You can decode any invoice, but obviously your node does it with like LNCLI decode pay rack, for example, but uh, you, with, for every implementation you have this comment and just just lists out the, uh, the public key and the, you know, the, the time lock, the amount and, you know, the, every other variable of the, of the uh, invoice. But basically you are advertising your public node, your public key of your node even if it's a private node <laughs> with only private channels, you need to tell the sender where to send the payment. And also, if it's a private only node, you need to advertise the route towards it as well. So if you have only private channels, you need to tell the, the sender that, look, these are the channels you need to come through because you can uh, reach my kind of direct peer, which is a routing node, obviously, m must be, but from there, you need to come through these private channels, so you're exposing yourself from there. And that yeah. you know, cannot, cannot be routed. I mean, so I just yeah, had some, yeah, had a nice chat with like the uh, Twitter account and like uh, Breeze Wallet and like Async, and they said that, for example, Phoenix, which is the only implementation which using trampoline routing, where you basically just send to the Async node, and then they will sort out to get it to the to the uh, actual mobile wallet, the Phoenix wallet. Uh, they use fake channel IDs when you are sending an invoice from the Phoenix wallet. So basically there, <laughs> you are private. Your channel is private towards the whole world except async. Mm -hmm. so, so you're just I mean, depending. That, that is a trade-off there. And be it's because if you know the so channel does... ID, you know the funding UTXOs. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that was not clear to me completely uh, for a couple of hours ago when, you know, actually asked this question to, to, you know, 
I, I just showed an invoice of a, of a node which was completely private. And then I think Fiat, Fiat Joff, you know, was the first to kind of uh, reply to, to it with the funding TXID. So, you know, I mean, it's so easy to prove things in Bitcoin. <laughs> so this, this theory is gone. So what's the best way to mitigate, like just try to transact with people you trust and send an invoice over encrypted channels or something like that? Uh, yeah, well, you don't even need to do that. You just want to be the receiver and the sender at the same time. So if, for example, I buy, I withdraw from BitMEX or, or Bitfinex, that has the lightning node, right? Uh, I'm not using this KYC exchange anyway, but uh, uh, I withdraw from there. I take my uh, mobile wallet, let it be Breeze, for example, you know, because I mean, I would say Phoenix, but still you are exposing yourself to, to for async to know about your transactions. So let, let, let it be Breeze or let it be Zop, right? Like a new node, node running on your phone or let it be Lightning app by Lightning Labs. And uh, you receive the payment there and then you just pay it out to your wallet of choice, either to your node or your, or your other Lightning wallet, maybe running on the same phone. And then, you know, Bitfinex will not know where, that, where those sets have ended up. They just only seen that, well, it was paid out to the mobile wallet, but then from there it's gone. So you sort of have a quasi hot wallet that you know is going to be exposed that automatically disperses it to a, another wallet right. that only you know. So, I mean, security wise, it's not exposed. It's just, uh, it's just like privacy wise, it is more exposed mm -hmm. uh, than the one which is, would be the next hop, right? Because then only you would know that you have sent that those sets. I mean, unless someone is like constantly probing the lightning network, right, as you discussed, which is uh, unlikely, and we would see that happen as well. Um, the only you know that you have sent that, you know, withdrawal to your other wallet, and uh, there you go. Yeah. There's so much to think about. There's so much to build. That's what we were saying with the media yesterday. Like we're so early on in this game. Um, yeah. People don't give Bitcoin enough credit. Like we're so early. Yeah. I mean, you know, the question is, should you automatize these things? I mean, do you need this kind of privacy? Well, it depends. I mean, it's, it's very important to have the way and accessible to everyone. But uh, I mean, most people want be worried about if they would withdraw from Bitfinex and then they would keep paying their, I don't know, uh, lunch and coffee from that, right? Or, or, or Phoenix, you know, and if Phoenix would know about my grocery shops, right? I mean, yeah, Visa and MasterCard and, you know, all my providers already know it and they probably have like a card which I uh, show them every time I buy something as well. Um, but the important thing, fast. I cannot, I, I can, you know, I can, I can go to shop. Well, for at the moment, not so much, but you know, still can pay with cash, right? <laughs> so I have the option if I don't want to expose yourself, uh, expose myself, well, then I can, I can just hand over my, you know, the change and the things, the, the freshly printed, uh, uh, what we have here, British pounds, right? They are literally fresh printed. They're coming out. You know, you're the first one touching them, and uh, they are in numbered in order because they just you know changed a couple of the bills. Go to the ATM, and then you can use that. <laughs> uh, then uh, that option is becoming less and less available, though. They want to take the cash away. <laughs> my 
My thought process is what I want to see is in five years, I want to be able to go to a store and buy some milk um, at, with, and pay their BTC pay server with Lightning. And they don't know which UTXOs funded the transaction. And my employer who paid me Bitcoin for my salary doesn't know that I bought milk. And I think like that's like a nice base level privacy for like the average user for it to be accessible to them. If we could get to that point, and I think we're kind of close to it, um, that yeah. would be a big, big achievement. Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, by if, if, if you see, think it's, it's true in practice, I mean, you wouldn't receive your salary on the wallet you are having with you when you are going to shop to, for milk, right? So you would do that hop anyway. <laughs> you just get it into a Lightning wallet and you transact to a private one of oh. yours a mobile wallet of yours and uh, you're basically just having the cash around and yeah, now we're getting around. into but this is like a whole cons like new way like rewiring of the brain of how people think right people are used to getting money in their bank account and spending it straight from there um but i think it will come with time and i mean it is already intuitively for me personally it's i mean um starting i mean just the way you have to interact with the protocol and then lightning uh, mm. you find that these practices just are developed naturally. Yeah, I mean, you know, you will find parallels. I mean, you know, if I if I use if I get my salary on my debit card with the bank with the bank account, you know, and I spend from my credit card, it's quite the same. Isn't it? <laughs> Except, yeah. I mean, not not in the back. I mean, the user experience can be very very similar uh, on the surface. I mean, it's nowhere near similar under the surface. At the network level, yeah. Um. Dang, we have to uh, run to a call here soon, Matt, but um, we should, is there anything particular that you're excited about right now in the space that we should touch on before we wrap up here? Right, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, extremely excited about all the, all the software which is like getting actively developed and, you know, we're trying to play with it, implement it and, 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 and just use it. I would say, you know, that run your nodes, run a Bitcoin node, if nothing else, you know, but <laughs> then run a Lightning node, it's very good uh, for routing, for privacy, for, you know, playing with the new technology. And then, you know, you might want to run more than one because you want, you would want to use different hot wallets and that would be the safest bet to just keep them separate. If you are keeping, you know, significant amounts of money, don't, don't, don't even think of not having like a, you know, Two hundred, three hundred dollars worth of hardware, helping with it, right? I'm not speaking about hardware wallets, and, but the nodes itself, where you can actually verify your things and keep them safe. Look into it. It's uh, yeah, it's it, it's all fun. I mean, if you don't enjoy it, then, uh, you know, then you're too too early, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I said that many times in the past. I think the Bitcoin revolution is going to be. Uh, join with a hardware revolution it's just it's going to be necessary um and as somebody who's not been a fan of building computers or writing software or anything like that like i've i've run more hardware in the last six years than i ever did up to this point other than plugging an xbox in um, <laughs> which has been fascinating and luckily we have people like matt odell and yourself uh creating tutorials to make it easier for for us dumb freaks out there um and it is getting easier that's i mean that's what makes me most bullish is that this this stuff is approachable for us non-tech savvy uh 
users as well and it's getting more approachable by the day yeah well i mean you know from my point and what you're doing in the like the rest of this project you know i would, I would even feel sorry for people to take away the actual command line output we are showing them right <laughs> i just don't want to instruct it because it's so beautiful but uh you know you have use cases for for different approaches and and that is great that's why we are all here yeah Matt, do you have anything else you want to add to this? The command line GUI war always uh, cracks me up. <laughs> command line's great, dude, but you know, if you if you want more use, you gotta you gotta move away from it. It could always it could always be the power user option, but people don't. People get scared. They see it, they get really scared. Well, I mean, you know, you don't need to. I mean, do I want more use of Blitz? I mean, it's 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 a hacking. Uh, uh, platform and the teaching, a wonderful teaching tool, you know, but it's running Bitcoin Core, you know, yeah. and it's running L&D. You can run these softwares in many other ways as you like. You can have, and I mean, it might come to that as well, but I, I will be the one builder because I cannot to do like a web GUI and, you know, run it in a tool browser, for example. I mean, you know, huge, huge respect to Rootsol who is actually coordinating these uh, Christian Roots or is the lead dev of the Esplits to you know, uh, kind of prioritize the things and, and, and make them work. But uh, most of the time, the thing was to, to implement the newer things and, and give, the, give people a platform to try their new services out. You know, no, I mean, I think the command line makes more sense for, for the, the Raspi Blitz project. Uh, but I, I was more, I was more referring to, uh, I was going back to join market, but the app image in the works yep. is fucking fantastic. Um, I just wanted to shill your web store, diynodes.com. <laughs> um, open noms. Uh, he sent me one of their Raspi blitz cases. Uh, it's got like the little LCD screen in the top. It's fucking sexy. He like also alluded to it. It's got one of those, uh, like Kensington lock holes for like computers. So you can bolt it down to something. Uh, so yeah, just free shout out for that. I really enjoyed this conversation. It was a long time coming. Uh, I met you once in person and really enjoyed that conversation as well. So I hope we, we do have a follow up here and hopefully uh, it'll be in person when all this bullshit uh, gets past us. Um, but just thank you yeah, for your time and thank you for, for everything you've been doing. Yeah, yeah. Echo that. Hopefully, we get to meet in person and and in the same time zone at a, at a happy hour and get to. I mean, you two enjoy some whiskey. We're gonna have five drink Matt on a rabbit hole recap tonight at this pace, drinking straight out of the bottle like a savage. Um, but open noms. Thank you for your time. Thank you for what you're doing. I mean, it's it's just infinitely exciting to see people like you getting drawn to this project and just picking up where people are, are leaving stuff and like, Hey, I'm going to build on top of this. And you've uh, built a lot in a short amount of time. So again, keep up the great work and really appreciate your time today. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, I will keep sharing and please, you know, I'm so grateful for you guys for, you know, sharing all your knowledge and, and stories as well. So thanks. Yeah. Thanks a lot for inviting me. No, thank you for listening to the screenshot of your, uh, your podcast. Hour. I can't believe you <laughs> spent that much time listening to it's a TFTC. Yeah, I'm surprised, you know. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing, you know. I, it's, that's quality time always. Yeah. Thank you. No, well, we appreciate it. That's all we got this week, freaks. Peace and love. <laughs>